Pat Lynch, such an honor and a great opportunity to get to sit down and connect with you. Thanks for taking the time to connect. So for those of you that don't know, Pat is the managing director for CBRE's Data Center Solutions Group. Um, and they do data center work in a number of different facets for companies all across the world. So uh, very excited that you're here and getting to talk uh, with you about the space has been, um, you know, something that's been on my list for a long time. So one of the things I would love to uh, talk to you about is, you know, uh, and an interesting part in the industry is the fact that you get to sit down with uh, different clients of all different sizes and companies and organizations that are evaluating their IT infrastructure and the different ways that they approach the market. And so since you've been at C- CBRE, which might have been, what, 2011, that you, 2012? Six years. Yeah, okay. well, over six years. Yeah. Um, that you came on. I'd love to hear about how that view has changed, how you're seeing users approach the market differently today than they did when you first started. That's great. Well, thanks for having me, David. I, you know, the the hybrid IT is probably the way I would summarize yeah. what we're seeing. So yeah. six years ago, when you and I were working together, yeah. uh, which was a great uh, was a great time, um, a lot of conversations about space and power. Yeah, uh, network was still important, but it was a secondary issue. It was just assumed network could get there. Flash forward to today with cloud computing and 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 consulting and network becoming very important again, much like it is, you know, in 1998 when I was with Level 3 and, yeah. and, and, and built their sites out yeah. all around the globe. So I think the the combination of, of cloud, enterprise IT, network interconnection, all of that coming together in a world where almost every client we see has that type of a need. Size uh-huh. and scale and reach varies by client, but that's probably the piece that is, is, is kind of connecting everything across all the industries with all of the clients that we see. Yeah, and as you work with, you know, I mean, obviously the CBRE team is is large and in markets across the U.S. and, and uh, other countries as well. But if we th- if we you think of the U.S. Uh, as kind of a, a base case here, where are you seeing from a growth perspective markets? What markets are you seeing, um, you know, users' eyes attractive and where you're seeing growth yeah. take place? So Northern Virginia, to okay, state the sure. obvious, continues yeah. to be uh, kind of ground zero, yeah. if you will, for, for demand. And, and short window looking out into the future, nothing's going to change that. And why do, you, why do you think that's been such the case with Northern Virginia? You know, I, I think you've got a kind of a perfect storm yeah. of, of undersea cables, you know, uh-huh. the original interconnection, um, relatively low cost. You know, when you think about the East Coast and the competitive markets over there, um, everything adds up to make Northern Virginia very competitive. And, and now... You know, Northern Virginia potentially is broadening when you look at what's happening in Richmond and some of the surrounding areas. So um, that, first and foremost, uh, is far and away you know, the most demand. And our research report, which is going to come out here in the next week or two, will, will indicate that. Uh, Dallas is emerging, as you well know, David. Um, Silicon Valley continues to be yeah. strong. Yeah. Right? So we, we are watching Hillsborough and Reno and all of the activity that's happening there. Um, but yet, when you talk to our team in Silicon Valley, San Francisco, they're seeing still a significant amount of demand around there. Uh, Chicago remains strong, and yep. Atlanta, uh, with yeah. a lot of announcements on new space, yeah. is uh, will be an interesting one to watch. Our uh, my colleague in Atlanta refers to uh, Atlanta as uh, Southern Ashburn, uh, so that's, <laughs> that's kind good. of interesting. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I believe you know the Atlanta growth. I would say snuck up on us a little bit, not in the sense that it's not a market where that can't happen, but you know for a long time, probably a five to seven year period, uh, it was business as usual there, in my opinion, you know, with the amount of supply that was there and the amount of demand. And 
over the last year with the announcements that have been made, I mean, that market is going to uh, transform in a major way over the next 12 to 24 oh, months yeah. with the deliveries that are coming online, as well as um, I do think there is a, you know, if you want to be on the East Coast and in Northern Virginia isn't necessarily where you want to be, Atlanta is probably the second best option, especially from a cost perspective. You bet. Yeah. Well, it, the TCO models, uh, as you well know, yeah. Atlanta is very competitive on a national mm -hmm. basis, and that, mm -hmm. that's always been the case. So when you add more product and quality product with quality providers, sure. it's only going to increase the demand. Yeah. yeah, I think the other piece that's in, impacting that is some of the undersea cables, you know, coming okay. into sure. Jacksonville yeah. and in that region, which are feeding demand into into Atlanta as yeah. well as it disperses throughout the country. So, yeah, I, I feel feel very good about Atlanta and, and its future. How has the hyperscale development, from your perspective, really impacted the industry? What, what have you seen some of the impacts be from a supply perspective as, as uh, investors look at the space, as data center owners develop right. facilities and markets? How have you seen that impact the way they do their business? So I think to date, it's been um, incredibly beneficial to the industry. Mm -hmm. right? and, and while they've built their own facilities, which people watch and get a lot of attention, They've also absorbed a significant amount of co-location space sure. across the major markets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And at least short-term view, we don't see that changing. We mm -hmm. see that same dynamics happening. And we also see them building at massive scales, but not typically in strong co-location markets. So you think places like Omaha or Des Moines mm -hmm. or uh, you know, places that maybe Columbus, Ohio. Um, so I, I think that'll continue. And uh, I also think there's a next layer down of uh, maybe not quite hyperscale, but still large-scale cloud deployment deployers that are just now starting to build out. Yeah. And I suspect much of that build-out will be done in wholesale co-location space. Yeah. So I'm still uh, relatively optimistic uh, that we've got some runway left. And, and I think the space that will be, you know, one of the questions I get asked from some of our investor clients, yeah. investors in the space is, well, you know, how, how does this play out? What, what space is at risk? And, and I think as I look at it, David, it's you know, there's still a significant amount of IT data center space sitting in multi-tenant office buildings that has no reason to sure. be there. Yeah, uh, we have a number of corporate clients that are still operating, in some cases, very old, antiquated data centers that are very inefficient. You know, that type of of supply needs to go away before I believe you're going to start seeing impacts to some of the quality wholesale colo in, in these major markets. Yeah, that's one of the. Uh, thoughts that continually comes back to me as it relates to I think it's easy for our industry because there is so much cloud talk that that organizations have already moved there and their infrastructure is growing in that you know uh, way and I, I don't necessarily think that the industry is as far along as sometimes we give it credit yeah. from a migration standpoint from you know just existing IT space within their premises uh, you know, into co-location or cloud. How do you, you know, I think one thing that's interesting about companies like a CBRE is the international impact that, you know, you will have and the way you can service clients on an international basis. Um, how do you view that as far as U.S. companies looking internationally? Oh, yeah. And is that uh, something that you all are, are working with your clients on as, as far as growing their business internationally? Yeah, you bet. I mean, wise. I have a, I love my job. Right? Yeah. I work for a great company with a global reach. And as a management employee, I get to see lots of different companies from many different industries yeah. look at this network and data center world and, and, and how they're going to address it in an in incredibly dynamic time. So yeah. I, I have to pinch myself sometimes, but I'm very fortunate in that regard. You know, and on the international side, you know, if, if 
if you think we're in the second inning maybe in North America, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're bottom of the first in, in, in EMEA, in my opinion, hmm. uh, and Asia Pacific, you know, we're, we're singing the national anthem. <laughs> so I, uh, obviously a sports guy, as you sure. know. So I, I think, you know, there is so much for this yet to evolve in the hyperscale world is, you know, we use that term a lot, um, but that's only a component of the user base. Yep. You know, we touched on hybrid IT. Maybe I'll jump back to that. I mean, one of the things that we're watching very closely and we're seeing our clients uh, adapt is the, you know, and a lot of the wholesale providers are starting to do this, which is you know, this cloud on-ramp. Uh -huh. right? So let me take space in a wholesale world, but I want the flexibility of my contract to migrate in and out of cloud services. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that has, uh, that, that's, we're seeing that across our client base to be, even if they don't adopt it day yeah. one, yeah. the potential to move that and move those services yeah. in and out of cloud and traditional colo, uh, I think that's going to be a real differentiator going forward. That's good. Um, so as you work with organizations, how have you seen companies make the best decisions? So, you know, I think one of the challenges companies have when they are working through uh, a, a consolidation project or, you know, an IT infrastructure uh, project, they struggle with having the right people on the team to make the best decision. And so I think for users that are watching, for if your company uh, you know, is in a project or working through that, who needs to be involved to, to, to basically, number one, make the best decision, number two, get it done? Correct. Um, so I'll keep the names out to protect the guilty, yeah. but um, successful projects for us, and again, getting to see a large variety, David, it's when the real estate team and the IT team in general are aligned, and, and oftentimes procurement has a role in that. Yeah. But when they're at the table talking as a uniform group with a senior-level sponsor, we have great success. Yeah. You know, oftentimes, one or two of those groups are missing, and there's not a senior-level sponsor, and we can spin a lot of cycles. Yep. And, and, and oftentimes... You know, not make the, the most optimal decisions uh, or at least not get there until a much longer period. Yeah. Uh, so I think alignment within a company and the key decision makers is, is absolutely critical. Whether we're discussing a sale leaseback of a data center, if we're talking about a co-location deployment, or if we're talking about an overriding you know, IT strategy, um, engagement of those, uh, of, of those key stakeholders is, collectively yeah. is absolutely key. And I think having that or understanding that process uh, before projects begin and understanding, hey, how are we going to get this approved? Um, you know, who needs to be involved to do that? I think it's really important, you know, especially as these projects, the timeline continues to uh, condense and get smaller and the expectations are higher yeah. that, you know, the, the deal I, will get done. I, I agree. I, I think the one caveat, though, is we, we also have success when we get engaged early. And can be a okay. part of that yeah, solution, sure. yeah. rather than have the client, you know, we're going to go do this. And we, we do that. We do that very well. But it's so a very that you can help think through what, absolutely and options, yeah, right? And when we work in, as an example, you know, sale partial leasebacks. Uh -huh. If we can get engaged early and have I those see. conversations with the client yep. about terms and rental yep. rates and uh, you know how you would structure a particular leaseback component of that. Yes. There's a lot of things we're doing because we're so involved in so many of those that, that can create value for the client sure. rather than, you know, the, a lot of our corporate clients may never deal with that again in their career. Yep. You know, the team that I lead, we deal with that every day. Yeah, I was going to say the, the, the benefit, I guess, would be the collective 
feedback and expertise that your team has from doing multiple projects like that in multiple markets Absolutely. at different sizes. That makes sense. Um, th- so think about just the industry moving forward, what you're excited about, uh, you know, what are some key trends that you feel like will guide the uh, kind of evolution of the data center industry moving forward? So definitely edge computing. Okay. Right? I, I think, you know, we're, we're fortunate to be working with some transportation companies and cutting edge of, of, of what edge computing means and, and, and driverless cars. Yes. And, you know, it's, uh, it's exciting and fascinating to me to even fathom where this may all go. Uh, so that's, that's definitely a component that will drive IT and data center demand to much, much smaller markets. Yep. And we're seeing that evolve uh, already with, with, with certain markets and cer- certain uh, industries. So that's going to be really exciting. Uh, the network component, you know, I touched on this earlier. Um, you know, being an old network guy, yep. you know, the network w- at, at, at one point was absolutely key to first-generation data center space. Then we kind of migrated out, and now it's definitely coming back in. So I think the importance and the criticality of network, what's yeah. going to happen with 5G, yes. um, and you combine that with edge, I'm not smart enough to know what that all means, <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping to be around for a while to, yeah. to, 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 see, how the, uh, to see how that all comes together. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I think it's... It's going to be fascinating, and I think we're really, really early stages of that. Yeah, the edge discussion, I think, is fascinating, really interesting. I I do think, too, in fact, I saw some of the companies that are uh, developing that technology recently announce what markets they were going to push that out to first as test markets, which I I think that will be uh, a really good story to watch and to see. You know, some of those are higher population markets, which I think, you know, the collective thought is that the the greater the population, depending on technologies like autonomous driving and the things that are autonomous cars, like the things that you mentioned, you know, could create a whole new world of uh, IT infrastructure that uh, the market is still diving into a bit. So I think that's going to yeah. be awesome to watch, you know, and I think it, for, for people that have been in the space a long time, I mean, you have been in it a little longer than I have. Um, Very actually, nicely said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think that that's a really interesting thing to watch, and I think that will... Smart cities. Yes. I mean, somehow that's yeah. going to tie into this as well, right? Yes. And, and in, the, in the case of smart cities, yeah. you may see just the opposite, and that emerging cities with a smaller population... It might be a little easier to adapt some of those um, put potential yes. buildouts into uh, into a smaller yes. location than a, a say a Manhattan. Yeah. No, you bet. Okay, I want to switch gears for a second, and I want to talk about Nebraska football <laughs> and the fact that Nebraska. Scott we have, Frost. Yeah. Baby. So we haven't even talked about this, but Scott Frost, new coach, um, had a great season last year, turned a team around. But you know, as a proud Nebraska Husker fan. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new coach and the, the team moving forward? It's, it's like the data center space. Nothing but optimism, David. <laughs> Nothing but optimism yeah. and in uh, a, a good future. So, That's great. Yeah, we're, it, Husker Nation is very excited to there have, you go. have the home guy back home. Love it. Well, thank you for coming in and doing this. I really appreciate it. If you want to find out more about CBRE's Data Center Solutions Group, you can get on their website. Uh, to do that, this is Pat Lynch, again, Managing Director for CBRE's Data Center Solutions Group. Pat, thank you. Thanks, Loved David. getting to talk to you and, and uh, look forward to what the industry is going to do in the future. My pleasure. Thanks.